the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Friday and TGIF to you. Hope that uh, you're doing okay. Do not be uh, freaking out. All right. Do not be panicking. People are panicking. Stop. There's no reason to panic. Do me a favor there, Zach. I know you can do this. I'm going to look at the camera and you can zero in on me. All right. I want to look at you and and just talk to you and, and tell you you can relax. This is not the end of the world. This is not uh, uh, some kind of pandemic that people are going to die and then they're going to rise up and be zombies uh, after it's over with. The world as we know it is not coming to an end. I saw a meme today that I thought had a lot of a lot of uh, humor to it, but it, it had some truth to it. And it said, if you're buying 100 rolls of toilet paper, for a 14-day quarantine, you should have been seeing a doctor a long time ago. I mean, seriously. I went yesterday. We had, I guess, about 14 rolls of toilet paper. And at the behest of my wife, because I'm trying to make her calm down, because she's, you know, there's this fake story that is out. Maybe you've seen it. Have you, have you seen the fake story about toilet paper? Zach, okay. So the fake story is is that the coronavirus loves toilet paper and paper towels. And uh, they're finding the coronavirus on paper towels and toilet paper. And you can get infected that way. Uh, I think, what is it, News 8 or something is the website. It's a, it's a satirical website. It's kind of like The Onion. The problem is is that they don't make any statement that it's fake or satirical news. So a lot of people just come across this story, and we all know that everything that you read on the Internet is absolutely true, and they believed it, and now there's there's been a run on toilet paper. And I, I just was uh, doing some searching yesterday, and uh, Linda says, Dave, they're out of toilet paper at Walmart. There's not a roll of toilet paper to be had. And this is at the big Walmart in Cabot. And I said, well, I want to check out something. So I went online and went to the websites of Walmart, of Sam's, and on um, Amazon. And guess what? There's hardly any toilet paper anywhere. 
very little toilet paper at uh, Amazon. I mean, you can get like six rolls of double ply, you know, if you want them for, um, I think it was like 15 bucks or something like that. And And I'm thinking to myself, people, calm down. Now, I'm going to share with you something that I seriously feel about this. You all need to know the, know the Lord. You need to know the Lord. Then you wouldn't be freaking out. And if you know the Lord and you're panicking like this, quit being an atheist. God is in control. He'll take this that has been bad for us right now and be made worse uh, by panicking people and use it for his glory. I'm just telling him he will do that. But I think we all should take step back and take a real big de- uh, breath and realize how would we react if something really bad happened? I mean, really bad happened. How about an EMP or something like that? How are you going to act then? You need to sit down and, and, and think a little bit. You're totally overreacting about this. I know that you're going to be put out. I know you who have kids in these schools that are being closed are wondering, where am I going to find the child care that I need to take care of my kids? But Because you've been using public education as your child care site. Just saying, you need to chill. Back in the uh, late 70s, early 80s, used to be tell people to go take a chill pill, you know? Well, that's what we need. And the government's not helping. You know, they're they're going on the Internet. They're going on national television. Don't panic. And then as soon as the camera pans away, they're running around like their hair's on fire. You know, and making statements that are going to panic people. Stop it. And to our elected officials, stop you know, playing politics with this. Stop it. Nancy Pelosi, shut your pie hole. You know, they're trying to pass this uh, uh, piece of uh, legislation to get additional dollars to the states to fight the coronavirus. Do you know what they uh, stuck in it? What Nancy Pelosi stuck in it? A a way to get around the Hyde Amendment so that taxpayer funds will be used to pay for abortions. Now, that's not the way that you take care of this stuff. You don't do it by making it a Christmas tree and hiding uh, and, and hanging all kinds of your ornaments on the tree that are not necessary for fighting the coronavirus, you dummy. Shut your pie hole and think about Americans and quit thinking about your party. Same thing with Republicans. Can't think of anything the Republicans are doing right now that we're thinking about the party. But if I hear one, I'll let you know. I had to get that off my chest first thing today. I, I, I mean, I I think Pelosi is, is uh, uh, somehow uh, demon-possessed. Her and Schumer both. Seriously. And Biden, who doesn't have an original thought in his head, gets up and talks about his plan for uh, coronavirus, for COVID-19, 
COVID-19 and says, well, we're going to do this, we're going to do this and do this. Guess what? It's exactly what the president's doing. And then after he says what he wants to do, he starts talking about, well, why aren't there's a president doing all of this? Because you can't remember, you dummy. He can't remember anything. Same thing with Bernie Sanders. I'll give you the latest on the coronavirus when we come back, because if you're thinking about going to Disney World or Disneyland, forget it. Ain't happening. They've already shut it down. You want to go on a cruise? Forget it. Cruise lines are shutting down. You want to go to spring training? Forget it. They've canceled spring training for baseball. You got tickets. You've been trying to get tickets for your whole life to go to the NCAA tournament. Forget it. They've shut it down. And we'll get into the PGA and the NBA and MLS and everything. And I'm going to tell you, people have gone crazy. They have gone crazy. We'll talk more about it. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. Right now we've got a quarter after six, 63 degrees today. We're at the high that we're going to have. Temperature's going to fall now through the rest of the day. It's going to get to be about 47 degrees by the time we get into the evening and going to get a little cooler overnight. Uh, 61 is our high about today. We're at 63 right now. We're lucky it got a little higher than that. Falling temperature is going to hang around the uh, upper 40s, very low 50s uh, for tomorrow. Uh, showers high near 61 Chance of precipitation, 80%. All right, let's get your traffic. We'll get your weather here on the Dave Ellswick Show. You're listening to 101.1 FM, The Answer. Dave Ellswick Show. Chill out, man. It's not as, This is not the end of the world. This is the rush decision of the Rush Limbaugh Show. 18 minutes after uh, 6 o'clock. It's early on your Friday. You know, you're eating some breakfast, make sure you eat good, take your vitamins, things of that nature, keep your immune system up and be ready to go out and seize the day and and make the most out of it for uh, yourself and the glory of God. All right. Hey, uh, Governor uh, Hutchinson had a presser yesterday about the coronavirus, said a lot of different things. Give you a chance to hear it uh, right now. Secretary Nate Smith, of course, uh, our director of the Department of Health, uh, but also uh, Marcy Doderer of Arkansas Children's Hospital, uh, Dr. Cam Patterson, uh, UAMS. I'm also uh, pleased to be joined by the co-chairs of the Senate House uh, Public Health Committee, uh, Senator Missy Irvin and Representative Jack Lademan. Uh, and I want to thank them for uh, their support of what we're trying to do here in the state of Arkansas. And Mayor, uh, I also want to recognize uh, the Mayor of Little Rock and thank you for uh, your partnership. Uh, and uh, I know you've had to make some tough calls, and I wanted to uh, recognize you and your partnership as well. Uh, the purpose of this, uh, and I talked to Dr. Smith today, that uh, as this uh, continues, uh, we're likely to have regular updates to you. And uh, it's one way to flow information. Uh, today is, I think, important to uh, communicate once again to the public. And I want everybody to understand that uh, as we make decisions, uh, I want to be guided by the recommendations and counsel of our public health professionals. And that's why our public health uh, experts are here. 
Uh, this is a public health emergency that I've declared in the state of Arkansas, uh, and it has to be dealt with in a public health fashion. And so I want everybody to know that we're listening to them and making decisions. Uh, secondly, uh, we're trying to give information to the public so that they can make the best decisions on their lives and uh, their family and their plans. And so we want to share information as we have information as well. Uh, in terms of an update from uh, yesterday, and that the last 48 hours has been a whirlwind because we had yesterday announced the first uh, presumptive positive test. Well, uh, overnight, uh, I was advised that we have five additional presumptive positives. So a total of six presumptive positives uh, now, uh, which does not come as a surprise uh, because we've seen this in other states that once you start testing, once you have an awareness as to uh, uh, the impact in one area, you obviously do for additional testing and tracing and sourcing and you learn of others that would have been exposed to it, and you're naturally going to have uh, some additional positive tests. And so uh, it's not a surprise, but it also is a signal that we have to take additional steps and action. Now, I look at it geographically, because something happens in one area of the state does not mean that another area of the state is automatically impacted. And so uh, that is a factor geographically. We also have to recognize that we have a lot of meetings in Arkansas and that people from all over the state or elsewhere travel and so uh, even though it might not be impacting your area are you having contact with people that are uh, in addition uh, in a dif different area and so you have to take precautions that our health professionals will be uh, talking about in terms of action items um, whenever you look at the additional uh, presumptive positive cases, they are in a four-county area, Saline County, Jefferson County, Pulaski County, and Grant County. When I say they're in those counties, it could be uh, the uh, patient, it could be a family member, it could be where they go to school, but there's some contact with those four counties. And because of that, we're having to do a great deal of of tracing and running it down and additional tests and interviews and telling people, you know, that you've been in contact with somebody who has tested presumptive positive. And so those are the steps that we're following. But while we're doing that, of course, uh, we get a lot of calls from the schools. And out of an abundance of caution, uh, we have advised, and this is in consultation with Secretary Smith and uh, our uh, Commissioner of Education, Secretary Key, uh, that uh, we go ahead and advise that the schools in those four county areas should be closed for the next two weeks. And that allows us a time to get a handle on this. It allows us to uh, uh, do the checking that is necessary, but it is an abundance of caution uh, for those children that would be going to those schools that might have some distant connection with uh, an, an exposed individual uh, there in that area. Uh, we are continuing to work. Uh, General Penn is here. Uh, we've got our Adam uh, uh, that is here as well. And we're working at looking at our stockpile, uh, what is available in terms of protective uh, equipment. Uh, we have an order in for additional protective equipment. So we're working those items to make sure that is available to uh, 
uh, our professionals, uh, to uh, our responders, uh, our health care workers, uh, and we're continuing to look at that and uh, uh, look to beef up uh, that stockpile. And so with that, I wanted to uh, recognize uh, Dr. Smith to uh, make additional comments, and then if we could go to uh, uh, Dr. Dr. Patterson and then to uh, Marcy Doder as well for additional comments. Uh, Dr. Smith. Thank you, Governor. I want to thank uh, the Governor and his team as well as the other state agencies for the support they've given in addressing the COVID-19 issue here in Arkansas. Uh, as the governor stated, uh, overnight we uh, have identified uh, five additional uh, individuals who have tested positive, uh, uh, and we will continue to uh, do contact investigations uh, for their contacts as well. So it's a, a widening circle of individuals that um, uh, we're identifying, having them uh, quarantine, and then uh, testing them if they become symptomatic. Uh, because some of these uh, contacts were school-aged children, uh, this uh, move was made in partnership with the Department of Education to recommend that those schools uh, 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 temporarily close uh, to interrupt any cycles of transmission that might occur. Um, and uh, we also are continuing to work uh, to find additional information. We'll extend uh, guidance to other communities if we find that there's need. We're working very closely with UAMS and with uh, Children's Hospital in uh, identifying contacts uh, for this cluster, and we'll continue to work with them to build our capacity to address uh, the needs of, of those who have potentially been exposed or those infected with uh, COVID-19. Thank you. Good afternoon. I, I want to thank uh, Governor Hutchinson and our legislators for helping us to marshal the resources that, that we need to stay in front of uh, the COVID-19 uh, uh, infection that has afflicted several Arkansans. Uh, and we uh, are, are fortunate to be able to work closely with our partners, including Arkansas Children's Hospital, to make sure that every Arkansan, regardless of your age uh, and regardless of where you live, uh, is being adequately protected. Uh, at UAMS, we remain a, a resource for, for patients who are in need if they have become infected, although uh, it is important to emphasize that our, our number one goal is to keep patients where they are if they are infected and if they are at a site where they can receive care because most of the care that is rendered to a patient with COVID-19, in fact, all the care that's rendered for a patient with COVID-19 is exactly the same as the care that we would give to a patient with a severe influenza infection. Uh, so that's important to emphasize. Uh, it's also important to emphasize that uh, we do not have uh, limitless resources, but for the time being, we have adequate supplies of personal protective equipment, uh, medications, ventilators, and, and other uh, medical uh, necessities that would be needed to adequately take care of uh, even a, a substantially larger uh, burden of, of uh, Arkansans infected with COVID-19. Uh, now, as we move forward, we're going to have to keep close eye on the supplies that we have, uh, and we're in communication uh, with our partners, not just locally like Arkansas Children's, but our partners across the state to make sure that resources are available where they are needed. Uh, it's also really critical that we get the message out that if an individual is concerned about the possibility of having COVID-19 infection or they have questions about this, 
uh, the last two places that they probably want to be are in an emergency room or a crowded clinic. Uh, and so this is a, a great opportunity to, to utilize other tools to get uh, uh, healthcare information. We are pushing as much of this out as we can. If we have hospitals, communities, clinics, or individuals that need more information, we, along with ADH, along with, with children's, uh, will be sources of that information. So do not hesitate to point people to us. If you come to UAMS and you have symptoms that might be consistent with COVID-19 infection, we have set up a separate triage center on our campus so that we're not mingling people who might have COVID-19 infection with people who have other medical issues. Uh, and uh, UAMS Health Now is available to all 3 million Arkansans who have questions or concerns about COVID-19. If you go to UAMS Health Now on your iPhone, your tablet, your laptop, uh, you will have the chance to interact visually face-to-face uh, -face with a UAMS healthcare provider 24 hours a day, seven days a week for any question that you have or concern that you have for free. Uh, so please get the message out. If in your community there are clinics, hospitals, individuals who have concerns that we can address, uh, we are here standing by to, to help you out. Thank you. All right. We're looking at uh, 6.35, 25 minutes till 7. It's uh, 61 degrees in Little Rock, around the uh, central area here. 59 in Cabot, 59 in Conway, 62 in Hot Springs, 62 in Pine Bluff. Weather today, showers likely mainly after 7 o'clock. Cloudy, temperature falling to around uh, 51 by 4 p.m. An east-northeast wind, 10 to 15. Chance of uh, rain is 60%. New total amounts, less than a tenth of an inch possible uh, tonight. You're looking at a low around 46 east-northeasterly winds at 10 to 15. A chance of precipitation at 80% with a new uh, rainfall measuring up to about a tenth of an inch. And then getting things going on your Saturday. Uh, Saturday showers high near 61. East wind 6 to uh, you know 10 miles an hour. Chance of rain 80%. New totals for uh, tomorrow is a tenth and quarter of an inch possible. So that's the way it's rainy, but the temperature is moderate. So it's not cold rain, and that's a good thing uh, going on. Let's get back to uh, Governor Hutchinson's uh, press conference and hear what the rest of uh, his team had to say about how we'll be handling, uh, handling the COVID-19 virus here in the state of Arkansas. So good afternoon. The one um, thing I might add to that is how to access some additional information specifically for children. Like my colleagues, I am extremely grateful to the help of our elected officials and particularly the, the Department of Health on how we're dealing with this. And you should be assured that you are surrounded by some really amazing and talented healthcare providers at all of our institutions right here. To augment and support the UAMS Health Now telehealth app, Children's Hospital, as of right now, has a 1-800 number available to any family who has a question about a child health issue related to COVID-19. 1-800-743-3616. That information will be pushed out publicly here very shortly. It's a telephonic way of answering those questions, but it, again, it will keep our children at home 
where they need to be and not necessarily in overcrowded clinics or in our emergency departments. Like others around the country who have faced this, we are implementing travel restrictions for our staff, visitor screening, staff screening. Really, it's an elevated way of responding to COVID-19 like we do regularly in the influenza season. So we have those precautions in place every winter with the, when the flu hits us. We are just keeping those in place as we move into spring and being very, very precautionary on how people walk the hallways of the Children's Hospital in order to protect our staff and our teams and our patients and visitors as well. Let me just add before I turn over to uh, questions that uh, in terms of testing, uh, we have the uh, testing capacity uh, through the Department of Health. Uh, and uh, as this continues to change day by day, we are looking ahead and so we need to have greater testing capacity. So we're working to expand that. UAMS is uh, partnering with us on that. And uh, thank you, Dr. Patterson, for uh, looking for uh, uh, procuring the necessary equipment to do the testing at that site uh, as well. So we'll be uh, working in partnership with them to increase the uh, testing capability uh, within Arkansas. With that, I'll be happy to uh, take questions. So presumptive, of course, is that they're confirmed by our Department of Health testing. It is at CDC, and I think the answer yesterday was we don't want to put them in a bind for a response, uh, Dr. Smith. But uh, have we got received any back yet? No, we haven't. Um, of course, as but, you imagine, uh, CDC is confirming tests uh, for uh, you know all the states. Uh, our protocol is that for the first five positives, we'll have those confirmed by CDC. We're very confident in our results, and we're acting on them uh, as if they're uh, confirmed positives, but we won't call them confirmed until we have our first five positives confirmed by the CDC lab. Are these five cases overnight related, and were they folks who had previously been in quarantine, or is this community spread? I'll, I'll start with the last one. Uh, this is not community spread at this time. These are contacts to cases, and then we're going to also be uh, assessing contacts to those cases. Uh, we don't have evidence of community transmission that, you know, that is out there that we don't know about. Um, uh, for these uh, new uh, positive, presumptive positive uh, cases uh, were contacts with the patient that we, uh, um, we talked about yesterday. Uh, one is separate, and then we're also, uh, and then that, that was acquired from contact out of state. So, uh, but unfortunately, none of these were individuals who had been in quarantine prior to turning positive. What's their condition? How, what's their condition right now? How are they feeling? What uh, all of these are outpatients. None of them are admitted to the hospital. Will school closings be the protocol if more counties get touched by this? The school closings will be taken on a case-by-case -case basis. Uh, I think it's important that whenever we have activity in one area of the state uh, that we address it as we have here, but it doesn't mean that uh, a school district in northern Arkansas has any issue and, and any uh, concern, and, and they shouldn't close. And so it's very, very important that uh, parents and schools not overreact to uh, what we are doing today. We are, we're basing it upon the data that we have. 
this recommendation is based upon my conversations with public health professionals, uh, and that is in uh, the limited uh, four-county areas that I mentioned. Uh, as we have additional uh, concerns or requests, we will address those, but those, uh, this should not presume that uh, there will be others closed uh, down the road. Sorry, I didn't Children's hear. Hospital. Marcy, you want confirmation that is an, it's a, it's an Arkansas you. Children's employee. Yes, yeah, so it's a it's a tip of the microphone. Thing. Yeah, so it's a uh, UAMS trainee who uh, was practicing at, at multiple hospitals in Arkansas, including Arkansas Children's Hospital, as part of our partnership with Arkansas Children's. So I. I, I, I there's some information about the case that I, that I can't share with you, but uh, the, uh, the individual was uh, sick for a couple of days. Our criteria for recommending that a particular school close will be if, if there was a, a child who had uh, a contact and could be potentially uh, communicable um, because we want to interrupt cycles of transmission before they occur. Uh, now, in, in this outbreak investigation, so far we've identified school-aged children in a, in a number of counties, um, but the decision was made to go ahead and recommend those closures for the entire county just to give us some buffer of safety on that. Now, if we identify contacts uh, that are in schools outside of those county areas, we'll make recommendations to those schools specifically. In fact, we will be uh, issuing guidance uh, later today to those schools, giving them a number where we can consult with them so that we can make informed decisions on school closures in a coordinated fashion. Um, the uh, we won't give specific information about those individuals, like their address or things that will identify them. Right. But four of these were contacts. Right. Four of these were uh, contacts with the patient in Pine Bluff, and uh, one of them was, uh, uh, you know, was was not, but was, um, uh, you know, subsequently placed into into quarantine. Um, and, and those contacts are also being um, followed up. Is, is that actually patients? I mean, if this is an employee or a, a student employee, however you guys... For the trainee, yes. We're, uh, we're looking at all potential patient contacts. What are you doing to ensure that there's one clear message getting out to people? If someone calls the Department of Health and calls the UAMS hotline with questions and are told two different things, what, what should they do? Well, I trust they won't be told two different things. Uh, we're doing all that we can to have a coordinated message, uh, but the uh, Department of Health has the lead, and so uh, in terms of our state agencies, uh, that's part of the purpose that we're all here together today to make sure that our message is clear, uh, it is united uh, as we uh, talk to the uh, Arkansas folks. Okay, we got a break. We'll come back and get the final segment for you at uh, what was being said by the governor and his task force here on the Dave Ellswick Show. It's uh, 61 degrees, and we're looking at a quarter till 7. 
61 degrees and uh, about 13 minutes until 7 o'clock. High today is, uh, well, we've already reached it, 61 degrees today. Temperature will be falling throughout the day. Going to get a little cooler today. We'll be up uh, tomorrow uh, at 61 degrees again tomorrow. And then Sunday, looking uh, at a high near 55. So temperatures moderating out a little bit cooler I don't know if you've been uh, paying attention as you've been driving around, but the trees are all greening up. They're ready to go. The leaves will be coming out. I'd expect them. a lot of trees will be leafed out by the end of next week. Coming up in the next hour, uh, John Payne will join us for about 10, 12 minutes. Tell us what's trending uh, on the Internet. And then Robert Steinbach in the studio to talk about gun rights and a whole lot of other things as far as politics go. That's what's coming up on the Dave Ellswick Show. But right now, let's finish up with the governor's presser. You know, those are uh, good questions. First of all, talk about just simply the impact of closing a school. We recognize what this means. That means that uh, in many instances, uh, the daycare uh, uh, will, will close as well. Uh, and there's less availability. That means parents might be staying home to take care of children. It means that they might not uh, be going to work. These are very serious issues, and as you pointed out, that means that in terms of food security, uh, they might not have the uh, breakfast that they normally have. And so all of these are repercussions of a decision. So as we make a decision, we're looking at how we can fill in the void there. How can we uh, make sure that uh, they're, uh, you know, perhaps, uh, for example, uh, uh, you know, we've had some innovative employers that have already made very generous leave uh, uh, available for those that uh, might have to take care of children uh, or that uh, might have to be uh, home quarantined. Uh, we're looking at the issues of, of the food as to whether there's any alternatives there. Uh, in terms of the testing, uh, the and I should have had Secretary Key here, but I think he has a state board meeting today. Uh, but the schools that uh, are, they're really going under the AMI uh, protocol, which allows them to continue education uh, even while the physical school is, is closed during this time. And so we hope education will continue. They have a, and these are schools in central Arkansas that should have availability of the Internet and uh, the capability to continue uh, that education stream. Well, it could be a growing list. Uh, and, uh, you know, whenever you, if you'd asked me that question three days ago, it would have been a short list. Today it's a longer list. Uh, three days, four days from now, we'll see where it is. Uh, Congress clearly is receptive. And, again, I want to compliment the General Assembly. They're receptive as well. I have no doubt that we could call a special uh, session of the legislature if need be and that they would put forth whatever was needed to address this problem. Resources are not the issue in terms of financial resources and money to do the procurements to, uh, to, to make sure we meet the needs out there. Now, the availability of the assets that we need are an issue, and that's where we want the greatest help from the federal government uh, is to continue to expand the testing capability and help us on that uh, to continue uh, to be able to uh, make sure that 
uh, we have the uh, manufacturing capacity on the uh, protective equipment that's needed. Those are the helps that we look at first, but I do expect a supplemental, and uh, uh, Dr. Smith and the team will be submitting information to make sure that we have what we need. Uh, I'll have a conversation a little bit later about the basketball tournament. Uh, but in terms of uh, the gatherings, uh, you know, this is where, uh, you know, the private sector makes decisions. Uh, there's going to be events that are canceled because they make the decision in consultation with their health experts that it's a good judgment. In terms of our recommendations, uh, I'm going to let, uh, uh, you know, our professionals address this more specifically but uh, our businesses, uh, our organizers are making good judgments. I know that there were some big events in Little Rock tonight that are canceled. Uh, whenever you look statewide, it's not right for us to uh, mandate statewide that an event in Jonesboro is going to be canceled. And so I have to look at it from a statewide perspective. And the mayor here looks at it for the city of Little Rock and made some judgments today that I fully support. But that's not ready to be mandated statewide. And so we are looking at this very carefully. Now, in terms of, of just simple advice to event organizers, uh, I'm going to let uh, our professionals uh, talk to that issue. Well, I, I, I would say, first and foremost, uh, the key steps in mitigating continued transmission are the simple things that we talk about, good hand hygiene, uh, uh, being alert to symptoms, uh, you know, those are hand sanitizers. Those are the tools that have been proven to be helpful. Uh, for social gatherings, uh, those same rules apply and remain important. Uh, Mayor Scott, I, I think, has made the, the right call about um, uh, events for the city of Little Rock, and I, I think we need to give everybody the right information uh, that uh, they can utilize to make the right decisions. If you've got a, a gathering of 1,000 people that are coming from all over the United States uh, and you don't know where they're coming from, that's probably an event that you don't want to have happen right now, uh, and that's good common sense. Uh, if you've got a smaller gathering with a small group of people in an area that, that doesn't have any active cases, uh, I, I think it's very reasonable to say that it, it's the right thing to do to allow that event to, to, to go forward. Uh, Dr. Smith, I'll let you address that first. The testing capacity has really grown a lot in the last week with commercial labs coming on board. Um, and so uh, if a patient has a specimen that's sent uh, to LabCorp Quest or one of the others, they can get a result back. The challenge is uh, right now is, is collecting the specimen, transporting it. Uh, we have... Uh, we have capacity at our state public health lab, but not capacity to meet all the clinical needs of the state, which is uh, why the chancellors uh, mentioned they're standing up testing. So we'll have the ability at UAMS to do, uh, to do that testing on site. Now, even when, when that is available, we're still going to need to 
increase access to specimen collection because to do that safely uh, you know, requires uh, personal protective equipment, requires uh, viral transport media, things that are not uh, in particular short supply, but um, they're not things that every clinic does all the time. And so we're going to work with providers, encourage them uh, to, uh, uh, you know, to, to collect those specimens, send them into uh, the commercial labs so that we can increase our testing capability across the state. Uh, the limiting factor right now is is our uh, healthcare providers' uh, ability or willingness to collect those specimens and to to send them in. Um, the commercial labs have you know large capacity uh, you know to do uh, to do testing. It's the issue of getting the patient to the place to collect the specimen and the specimen uh, to the lab. The Department of Health, we have uh, a relatively limited capacity in our public health lab. Uh, we're currently doing about 20 a day. We can uh, probably double that, um, but uh, that's not going to meet the needs of the entire state. What we are using our public health lab for is to see where the epidemic is going and where it's not. So we are testing known cases, known contacts to known cases at this point. I, and I, I would just add to that that uh, regardless of the capacity to do testing, uh, probably the more important issue is to test the right people. And uh, the Arkansas Department of Health is providing us with guidance about who should be and, and possibly even more importantly, who shouldn't be tested. This is not something that uh, individuals need to be randomly screened for. Before he answers that, I do want to add on the testing. This is something that I uh, conveyed to the vice president uh, on day one, actually it was about a week ago, uh, in terms of the need for more testing capability in the states. Uh, you know, whenever you look at the commercial uh, providers that are doing testing, it's a slower process. We can do it quicker at the Department of Health. We need to have more capacity there. We need to have UAMS online with the capability of doing testing as well. As there's more concern or the public becomes more aware of this, uh, there's going to be a greater sense of, of need for testing. Uh, I had a call today from somebody uh, just saying they felt like they needed a test, and you go through that circumstance. So, yes, I'm a, I'm a health care provider now. All right. Let's uh, break from the news conference. Uh, it was wrapping up at that point. Uh, they're beginning to ask the same questions over again, but that gives you a good idea of how the gov uh, government here in Arkansas is handling things about COVID-19. I'll uh, come back and after the news and John Payne will join us. We're going to find out what's trending on the Internet and Robert Steinbach is going to join us. I'll mention some of the closings all across the United States because of this. And uh, we got a lot to talk about yet uh, during this morning on the Dave Ellswick Show. 61 degrees, a minute till 7. And uh, we're looking for a high today of 61 degrees. From here on out, it gets worse. The temperature goes down. It's Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM. 
Uh, the answer is the home of the Rush Limbaugh Show. into the uh, 7 o'clock hour. If you're watching on Facebook, uh, I just had the cleaning crew show up, and they're uh, they're cleaning the area. It's funny because I just got done cleaning the studio and wiping the mics again and wiping the headphones and everything else I had to do. But uh, when I was talking to uh, Robert Steinbach yesterday, he told, I told him, I'm going to clean the studio, man. I got wipes. And he says, mine are better than yours. So that's, he showed up with wipes and he's wiping. He's got gloves on. He's doing this thing right now. You can take your gloves off now. There you go. He's removing his, are those rubber gloves or latex? You don't know. Okay. Don't tell, don't touch me if they're latex. I'm allergic, like crazy to latex. Yeah. Absolutely. I head over. Okay. Getting things, getting things set up. Uh, my doctor, my wound doctor, who will rename, uh, remain anonymous because she, uh, you know, I haven't asked her if I use her name on the air, uh, just notified me but that I'll be going to the wound center today. They want me to do that. And Dr. Register is going to see me instead of her because she was on a trip and they just don't want her to come back into the clinic yet. And she didn't, they didn't tell her she was quarantined, but... What can I say? All right. I'm not supposed to see her until Tuesday, but, um, you know, I haven't been seen since my surgery last Wednesday. She'd like to have the doctor take a look, just make sure everything's all right. Then I got to get blood work done, uh, with Dr. Seal. And then I can go home today. And that's when I will be lying down and taking my nap. I always take about a two hour nap after doing my show. Then I stay up to about 10 o'clock, go to bed and get up at three. That's where work it out. Uh, so that you'll know, I did go last night and see, uh, uh, what is it, Bloodshot? Is that what it's called? The new uh, Vin Diesel movie? Thought it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. Got, you got questions for, about it from for me, for me, Zach? What do you want to know about it? I give it a solid B. Could have been better because they used a lot of cliches in it. Yeah. A, a lot of cliche shots, you know, like. It's taking part in a real big city, so you got to have the shot of from the helicopter mm-hmm. as they fly over top of the city and they're shooting down on the city. Which it's, it's like I know they're in a city; you don't have to do an establishing shot like okay. that for me. But anyway, you know that kind of stuff. And it's a kind of a superhero uh, movie, and it's got your typical 
superhero shots in it. And they they used uh, they used a lot of slow mo in the in the movie as well, but it's pretty good. I I I mean it was entertaining. Is it similar to those um, Jason Statham? What's it called? Mechanic movies or what was those movies? No, he... not not uh, yeah, not not those. Uh, okay, uh, uh, it, it's kind of a cross between uh, Universal Soldier. Um, what else? I would say Universal Soldier. You got a little backstory. Uh, it, it, some good sci-fi in it. Uh, it. It's not exactly as it seems when you first get into the movie. You think you have a good handle on what's going on, but then you find out not so much. Everything that you're seeing maybe is not as great uh, as it uh, you know going on as far as that's concerned. But anyway. That's the way it is. It's a good movie. I enjoyed it. You'll like it, Rob. Dave, I'm glad you're talking about movies. I heard you talking a little, you had the governor's uh, remarks on. Yes. And so, of course, we we cover a little bit the coronavirus, but I've heard too much about it. Meaning, other than reminding people, keep your distance, don't shake hands, stay home if you can. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's enough. I agree. It's too much. That's like I said. They tell you not to panic, government does, and then they run around with their hair on right. fire. And, and that just blows me away. And then somebody will say something that's just crazy. Like this, uh, is it Fulci? Is that his name? Oh, Fauci? Fauci, yeah. yeah. What did he say that was crazy? He, well, he made this statement. He says, you know, as far as testing goes, we're really not set up the way we need to be set up for that. And I'm like, dude, just shut your pie hole. Right. You know, you don't need to say that because right. by saying that, you, you create, a you start worrying people. Yeah, yeah. You know, and well, I, I don't know, and, and then and then people believing they read a little a, a, a satirical article on the internet about COVID nineteen is embedded in the toilet paper, and they, uh, you know, the CDC says they're they're uh, saying that you should be using a warm uh, and damp washcloth to clean your tush after you you know you go to the bathroom and and people don't you do that normally dave no you know when toilet paper got to be like two two layers four layers i threw away all of my my sears catalogs that i had collected <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying it's just uh and people i mean there's no toilet paper in walmart you know it's funny i went to sam's yesterday no, there's hardly any there. There was none. Oh, I was wasn't looking gone. for it, but I went by it, and there, there was Empty. none. Empty. There was, there was facial Why? tissue. It was facial tissue. Why? I guess people think they're gonna, they're gonna poop more than they're gonna sneeze. I, I guess I don't, I don't get it. I, I mean, I really don't. I saw a meme today. I mentioned it in the first hour before we started with the, uh, the governor, and it said, if you need a hundred rolls of toilet tissue to be quarantined for 14 days, you should be seeing a doctor about something else. Exactly. I mean, exactly. I'm just saying, come on, chill folks. You know, here's what this tells me. This country is, is not like it used to be. Number one, it is not like it used to be. Uh, I mean, when, when Pearl Harbor was bombed, America didn't run around buying up all the food at the stores and stuff. I mean, now we do. Uh, not all the food now. I mean, the, M, the M&Ms and stuff and the uh, potato chips and whatnot. 
the th- two things that you'll find hardly in any stores, toilet paper and Lysol or, or uh, wipes. Look, you want to, you want to save some money. Now I'm going to start a run on this. I'm just telling you, get ready. Cost you about a buck and a half for a gallon of bleach. You know, bleach smells, and it bleach is hard to wipe on, you know, around the house. The way ah, these wipes just, work, yeah. Really well, well, yeah, that's you yeah. Know, I understand, but you know, you take bleach and put it on a rag and get it wet and wipe your counters. You're oh, ki- that's fine. You're yeah. killing everything. That's right. It will and, kill everything. And wash and, and wash your clothing. You know, uh, uh, put your uh, wear stuff that you can. At the end of the day, you throw it in, if you're going out. You throw it in the wash, pair of jeans, yeah. that kind of thing. You know, don't wear stuff you got to take to the dry cleaner. Yeah. So if if you're rich, you know, go out and buy some jeans. No, I'm just kidding. Exactly. I'm just having some fun. All right. It's it was a joke. I, I sent you some articles. You, you got to say this stuff anymore. Well, let me just run across something for okay. everybody uh, about things that are closing off. I, I and and I got to tell you, I'm cra- This is it's driving me crazy. Just so you all in sports, the NCAA March Madness canceled. Uh, Major League Baseball opening of the season has been delayed for at least two weeks. Major League Soccer on hold for 30 days. The NHL suspended. NBA suspended. PGA suspended. Boston Marathon postponed to autumn. NASCAR holding races in Atlanta and Miami without fans. Uh, Broadway closed until April 13th. E3, that's a huge Video game expo, I mean, huge, 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 lots of money. Canceled. Disney theme parks closed. Many of the iconic New York City cultural institutions, including the Met and Carnegie Hall, closed. Movies, Fast and Furious 9, postponed to April 2021. A Quiet Place 2, delayed indefinitely. Shh. A whole, yeah. That's my joke. You got, a yeah, you got, a whole, you got a whole lot of other... Uh, movies out of it was it the new mutants and uh, antlers and others that have been uh, delayed indefinitely as well uh, the bottom line well you already know what i'm going to say about this the impact of these cancellations isn't just uh just a little bit of something the lost spending will be crushing to our our uh, economy and it's going to be crushing to the people that make their livings you know there's a lot of people make their livings make a lot of money walking through uh the stadium during a baseball game saying peanuts peanuts and make money doing that yeah the excuse me uh commerce will will slow down we're going to have a recession folks there's no way around this we're going to have a recession and uh, then when this is over everything's going to come roaring back but it will take time for people to recover. Uh, Gabbert yesterday in the house suggested a $1,000 check be sent to uh, every working American. That was done. If do you I rem- count? You Zach, remember? Do yeah. I count? Yeah. You, you, Am uh, I working? even though you're a professor, you're working. Uh, just let you know that uh, that happened one other time. Do you remember when it was? I have no idea. Right after nine 11, president Bush. Is that right? Sent out, uh, it's about, Eight hundred dollars per family, I think, uh, to to help uh, fire up the economy. Right, right, right. So anyway, that's that's basically got what I got right now. 
It's, I never thought I'd see today Disneyland and Disney World would shutter their 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 windows. And I I gotta believe if they did, Universal Studios is closed as well, and all the other theme parks yeah, sure in, in the Florida. What so, about Westworld? Is that closed? Can yeah, I, I think. What? No, Westworld opens this Sunday. The TV show. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it opens this Sunday. I'm glad you got my joke. I, season Jack, I three. I thought he was going to walk into it. No. I thought he was going, oh, I've been to Westworld last year. <laughs> no, no. Season three of Westworld begins Wednesday night at you know, 8 will, o'clock. What will peak somewhat, I bet you, in the economy is things like these streaming services. I bet you people are going to be signing up for Netflix and Amazon and all the various Hulu and various features that you can get on television because Man. you're going to be spending some more time at home. So Got some things plenty will, uh, of time. Yeah. Up. Wait, yes. Big story yesterday, and Elizabeth just reminded me about it. Uh, the TV studios have stopped production on television shows. Oh, that's interesting. <sighs> did you see, did you see uh, what was it, uh, Jeopardy and The Price is Right? There's no crowds there. Now, how do you even do the price of right? The price is right. Yeah, that's if a crowd. You, if you show. don't have a, a crowd, right? Maybe I don't know how you do that or something like that. You know, or what's the other one uh, with the three doors? You know, where you say door number yeah, one, door number um, two. What, what, which called. one? Which you one two was would that? Know more that's about the Monty Hall show. What was it? Yeah, I thought that was the Price is Right. Yeah. No, the Price is Right is the other one, right? Yeah, that's come on down. Come on down is Price is Right. <laughs> right. So that is Monty Hall and the. I can't remember. I can't remember. No, I was going to say match game is not match no, game. it's not match anyway, game. Anyway, you had to come down and, and you, you say, do you want door number one, door number two, or door number three? Or do you want the money I got in my hand that I'm going to give you right now? I got $3,000. What do you want to do? Take you want cash. to take the money or go, take the cash, Dave. Go, be, go behind the doors? Anyway, and one of those doors could have a cash prize worth $30,000. But because baseball season is opening, it's $30,000 worth of peanuts. Mm. They've done things like that. Just kind of go, let's make a deal. That's what somebody just said. That's it, let's make a deal. Let's make a deal with Monty Hall. Let's make a deal, you and I, Dave. I want to talk about this article I sent you. Okay. You want to do it after the break? Well, I I want to take the break. But before we talk about that, I want to talk something Ed Monk and I were talking about. Okay. And I told everybody I would ask you to talk about it. I'll do it. And that's this latest uh, court case on gun rights. Oh, yes. Want to talk about that? Yes. All right. And then we'll talk about some of the articles that you you sent me, which were very good. 721. And uh, 61 degrees. That's your high for today, by the way. You're not going to go any higher than Isn't that. Isn't that weird? It's going to be keep going down now. It's weird. Yeah, cold front's moving in. Yeah. And uh, if you don't have any toilet paper right now, you know, you're simply out of luck. I see I replaced uh, the S with my S, mm-hmm. just so mm-hmm. you know. By the way, don't go to Amazon and expect to buy toilet paper. They're out, too. I checked it How all out. How about disinfecting wipes? I, they're out, too. Are they? Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it's crazy. I've got disinfectant wipes at my house. I've always had them around the house. I have my container, but it's... Yeah, my containers have been sitting there. We'll see how Typically, how I, I brought it out, put it center stage so you guys could see it on Facebook. I usually have it sitting over the side, but I didn't think... I didn't want you to think that I was a pig and not uh, trying to kill the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. All right, a break. Let's get your traffic and weather We'll do that right now. 101.1 FM, The Answer. Robert Steinbach is here. Rush is coming up at 11 o'clock.
All right, back. Dave Ellswick Show, and it's 725, 61 degrees. High today is what you're having right now. Going to be some rain starting about uh, 1 o'clock. Amount about tenth of an inch today, about a half an inch tonight. And then tomorrow, showers high near 61. And the new precipitation between a tenth and a quarter of an inch possible. So just give you... A heads up on that. Robert Steinbach is here. Robert, I had Ed Monk on yesterday. Right. He was talking about being, you know, a, a West Point grad he because uh, Westerman last night had a big meeting. If you had a kid that was wanting to be in one of the service academies, mm-hmm. answering questions, and this gives you the opportunity to ask questions of Ed. Sure. And uh, he was pretty good. But we got into talking about this uh, court case right? where a guy was arrested uh, and charged uh, for having a gun on him. And the appellate court evidently has thrown that part of the court case out. That's right. It's a big deal. It's a very big deal. So this is the first uh, time that, as part of the holding of the case, the court has made clear that we have what many people call constitutional carry. Now, to be clear, what is meant by that? That's what was passed several years ago, Act 762. Act 762 basically says that you can carry a gun unless you have the intent to commit a crime with that gun. And there is... And by the way, that came into play with this case. In this this case, I'll talk about that. Yes, sir. Uh, And the reason many folks call it constitutional carry is essentially it defaults back to the notion that you're entitled to carry a gun pursuant to the Constitution. So the language can be a bit confusing at times. It's fine. So some people, and then, then there's an added wrinkle. Some people were calling it open carry, although we can no longer ca- call it that. There has been a dispute as to whether Act 762 allowed Arkansans to carry their guns entirely, meaning if you're not intending to commit a crime, You're entitled to carry a gun in any fashion you like or only openly, only in a way in which others can see the gun. In other words, in contrast with concealed. This has been a subject of debate and the attorney general concluded that you can only carry it openly because, says she, we also have a concealed carry license scheme. And she said... As a consequence, she deduces that Act 762 only allows you to ca- carry openly. Okay, so I want to stop you there yes, because sir. the CDL, uh, Concealed Carry License, Concealed Carry License, cost when you put fingerprinting and background checks and everything else into it, about $155 yeah, yeah. Uh, out of a person's pocket. Uh-huh. And it came out in a committee meeting, and I have been saying it for several years. You have been saying it for the longest time. Yeah, I know where you're going. That, Go ahead. That, that the reason that it was costing so much for a license is because the state police uh, decided to tie in their retirement to the concealed license scheme that we have here in the state. And they admitted it, finally. And they finally admitted it in a committee meeting. And somewhere I've got that in in our in our system and I'll find it again. Yeah, we should so pull we that can out. we can play it. 
But the bottom line is this. When that law was passed, nowhere in it did it say that it was that money was supposed to be going to the retirement account for the, the state police. We'll talk more about this. We've got to get to uh, Russ Limbaugh right now. 75. All right, back. Dave Ellswick show and uh, 59 degrees now. It's Tem- falling. Temperature's falling. We already hit our high for the day. Look for uh, things to level out till uh, later tonight. We're going to hit oh, about 46 degrees. 80% chance of uh, rain by tonight with uh, amounts of less than a tenth of an inch possible. Uh, rest of today, 60% chance of rain. Uh, new amounts of less than a tenth of an inch possible. So they've changed that as well. They had been saying a half an inch so less moisture, which is a good thing as far as I'm concerned. I, I can't wait till everything dries out so I can get ready to start working outside and getting some things taken care of. Uh, we finally were able to mow our lawn uh, on s- Friday of last week. Made a big difference. Get a lot of that garbage off the top of the lawn and get those weeds cut back down. Because I got more weeds than I got grass, I'll be honest. But they're green, so I just go with it. Just go with it. All right, so we were talking with Robert Steinbach, who, by the way, is a law professor over at Bowen School of Law. And his opinions are his and his alone and not the School of Law's or the university's, much to their chagrin. I do appreciate you saying that. And I appreciate, by the way, just to be clear, we've talked about this before, that they encourage such a statement to be fair. And I want to highlight one thing before we get back to the gun issue on this disclaimer that you make. This is an issue in higher education that I think is quite interesting uh, to to you, Dave, and to your listeners. And that is the school aptly, correctly, properly recommends that when people like me are on the radio or elsewhere, we say, look, our views are our individual views. That's true. But then when you have a president of a university, and I'm actually not talking about U of A, the U of A president is not a particularly political individual. But I've seen presidents or deans or chancellors, whatever the titles are, in other states, and they come out and they, some professor has done something or said something that, Likely is conservative, Dave. And then the, uh, for example, I'll give you an example. The professor at University of Pennsylvania who said, made conservative statements essentially about affirmative action. And the dean came out and said, well, her statements are contrary to the values, the culture of our school. Well, wait, wait, what? Who has defined those values in that culture? That bureaucrat dean at the University of Pennsylvania, which, by the way, is my alma mater, not for law school, but undergrad and grad school, other grad school. In any event, so he said, well, that's contrary to our values. Wait, what? What do you mean you're – and so what happens is is you get these bureau hacks who get appointed to these higher-up positions in universities. That happens to be a private school. It's worse so in a public school when your tax dollars are going to pay for it. And they start opining on values. I don't need... They're liberal yeah, values. Well, and they're liberal and individual values. Yes. And claim those values of an institution. By the way, I remain confused. Maybe it's due to my significant ignorance, Dave. But I remain confused as to what it means for an institution 
to have values. Excuse me. I understand the Catholic Church can have values. That's an institution and a religion. But what does it mean for a school to have values? I suspect what they mean by that is the values of its participants. Well, one of its participants has been heard to the contrary. You're, you're shunning that individual. So is it majority values? Is that how you determine values now? So I'm just tired of these bureau hacks expressing their so-called values, which is really a not-so-hidden way for these bureau hacks to start espousing their personal views in the name of the often public institution. Now, back to guns. Okay. <laughs> and I was making the point that... Uh, there was a huge. There's been a huge fight, and it's ongoing, and it should be ongoing. Although there have been some cuts made to the cost of getting a concealed carry license, but it was so high at one time here in the state because, and and even to this day, as far as I know, the state police use that money to uh, bump up their retirement account for their troopers. And the fact is, and and it was never passed to do that. No, and Dave. People who want to carry firearms, concealed or otherwise, frankly, should not be in the business of supplementing the retirement plans of anybody. Here's the thing. I agree. We've talked about this in the the Act 762 folks. There's some group uh, with that as part of their name. Amongst others have made it very clear. Act 746 group out there. Is it 46? I think it's 746. I'll look it up. Uh, Okay. You may be right. In any event. They have made it clear that the idea here is that we have an inherent right, a constitutional right to carry. We do. So why am I paying? And here's what you know how much a a carry license is in Indiana? No. Five dinero. Is that right? That's right. Well, explain to me why the lefties tell me that it is a invasion of their constitutional principles to require someone to show identification before they vote, which it's not, by the way, <clears throat> because, oh, my gosh, you are dissuading or interfering with people's ability to vote a constitutional right. I believe it's a constitutional right, albeit not enumerated, not actually listed, in other words. Right. And the right to carry firearms is listed. Point being is between the two, which is more clear, maybe not more embedded, but which is more clear, the listed one. And yet they want to put a large fee before you can exercise that right. And I have heard not one, not one liberal say, oh, you're interfering with that constitutional right because you're hypocrites, Dave. Well, you continue and and tell us why this lawsuit, uh, it's not a lawsuit, this uh, This case case that went before the appellate court is so important. Right. So what happened is, hold on, I just want to look here. It's... um, um, because uh, you Act 746, that's what you said, right? Yes. Yes, you are, as usual, correct, Dave. Uh, so this, some guy, and he's not, no one to be particularly admired, incidentally, was drunk at a bar, and he had a gun in his pocket, therefore obviously concealed. And he got arrested for being disorderly. He, during his drunkenness, I think he... Damage to the door to the bar. Yeah, I tore it off its hinges. Is that right? And so he got arrested for that, and they discovered the gun, and then they charged him 
with being an illegal possession of the gun. Go yeah, ahead. and we need to explain that when he was approached by the police, he offered no resistance. He was uh, a model citizen about it. Uh, didn't attack the police, didn't curse them, didn't do anything. And uh, they happened to find the gl- the gun when... I guess they did a, a search of him. Sure, which of course is not hard once you arrest someone, right? The first thing you do is you pat him down. And as small a gun as it may have been, and I don't know, you're, go- you're going to easily discover that. So he gets arrested for the disorderly, but then they add a charge for carrying a gun illegally. Yep. Now, there are two. So the question then is what makes it illegal? According to some, the mere carrying it in a concealed fashion makes it illegal because he didn't have a concealed carry license. Then separately, the question is, was he carrying a gun either concealed or openly with the intent uh, to commit some sort of crime? To harm somebody. Right. And he did commit a crime, and that was being disorderly. And the court made two things clear. Abundantly clear. Indeed. And the first time they did so in what's known as a holding, meaning not as an aside. And there is a view, generally correct, that when courts make a comment as an aside, it's called dicta, but that term is not important. When they make an aside comment, uh, it's not binding. So next time they can switch their view. But when they make it in what's called a holding as the core part of a case, they have to to switch their view. It's a big deal. Let's put it that way. So first thing they said was his crime of being disorderly had nothing to do with the gun. So the the prohibition on carrying a gun with the intent to commit a crime has to be a gun-related crime, not a wholly separate crime Correct. where, by the way, you happen to have a gun on you. That's a very important distinction because historically, courts and prosecutors have been rather grandiose in their view of what is related to a gun crime. There, there was this claim that if there was a gun anywhere in the car... Uh, for federal crimes, that was use of a gun in a crime. That was overturned uh, it, by the federal courts a, w- a while ago. That I don't know if it was ever upheld, but prosecutors were pursuing it. I think initially it was upheld, and then higher courts finally overturned that. So here in the state of Arkansas, now made clear by the appellate court that the crime that must accompany the carrying of a gun for you to be in violation of carrying a gun with the intent to commit a crime must be an underlying crime related to that gun. And secondly, the question, does Act 746 allow you to carry only openly or both openly and concealed? And the court said he committed no crime while carrying that gun without a license concealed. Therefore, that means you can carry under Act 746 a gun concealed. Let me still caution everyone. This is the intermediate court in Arkansas. There are three levels of courts, essentially. It's a little bit more complicated than that. But to break it down simply, there's three or three and a half. Uh, The first level is kind of split. But let's just call it three. There's the trial court. That's where you have a jury, right? And if you're arrested, you get a, a trial before a jury. Then you can appeal your case. You can appeal it either to this intermediate appellate court or directly to the Supreme Court. You don't decide. The Supreme Court decides. So when the Supreme Court makes a decision, clearly there's no other court to overturn it. This case went to that intermediate appellate court, which is 
usually when it goes to that court, the final court. It doesn't get thereafter appealed again to the Supreme Court because they kind of split up the caseload. Right. But theoretically, it is possible for this or a different case on Act 746 to go to the Supreme Court and for them to overrule the Court of Appeals. So this is very positive law. And I would say it's 95% certain the law of the land, but I would not say it's 100% certain the law of the land. So you decide how much risk you want to take when you carry a gun concealed without a license. I will say that if you're going to carry concealed with or without a license, or you're going to carry openly with or without a license, there are businesses that you can buy insurance from that will help you cover costs if you have to go in and defend yourself in court. Yes. There's one from the concealed carry license something. They're down in Texas. There was one sold by the NRA. I think it's been put on hold because they were running it out of New York and the New York AG because he or she, I don't know which one, is so leftist is does everything to interfere with the NRA that they can. They said, oh, you're not proper organization to sell insurance. So I think that one is on hold. But if you're interested, contact the NRA, and I'm sure they'll tell you. And there's a third one, and I forget who's offering that, in fact. I, f- uh, I want to say Chubb, but it's not, but it's through another organization. So there are three different, and they're all slightly different in, in terms of their coverage. But it is a sound move if you're, carrying a firearm to also have firearm carrying insurance. Not now, required. Not required. Just yeah, something to consider. Just something to consider in That's case right. you find yourself with some uh, police officer wearing, you know, nickel uh, mirror sunglasses and wanting to run you in for carrying That's right. a gun. All right. Let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk further. Robert Steinbeck's with us. Until 9 a.m. So you got another hour with this guy. Yes, sir. He's always good. And we got a lot of good things to talk about. Uh, it is day, I have no idea how many days it's been since COVID 19 raised its ugly head. Uh, but a lot of things are closed. Is Toby Mac still performing tonight? Have we heard? He is performing. Okay. So I know I drove by this morning and I saw the trucks pulling in for the concert. We'll see if. Let's see if they get it done. All right. And that's key. Everybody showed up Thursday from the schools to play in the SEC tournament. And then they said, no, we're not going to do it. The ACC was the last. They were trying to hold out and then decided, I guess, that they could not. And I got a whole take on that, too. And I'm going to talk to Robert about it, see what he says about it. We got more coming your way. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. 59 degrees, about 10 minutes till 8. So uh, get, a, get a move on if you need to be at work at 8 o'clock. Uh, high today has already been reached. Temperature's going to be sliding all day long and some rain falling a little later on this afternoon. We're back with you. Seven minutes until 8 o'clock and 59 degrees. Dave Ellswick Show, Robert Steinbach in the studio. Remember, his opinions are his and his alone, not necessarily those the Bowen School of Law, or the university. With that uh, that said, so how do it, let's say you, you get accosted by a police officer. He says, you're carrying a, you're carrying a sidearm. Right. Where's your, uh, you, and you got, it, you got it concealed. Where's your uh, 
your license, and you go, license. I don't have one. Right. And he says, well, that's against the law. And you go, no, sir, it's not. Act 746 says I have the right to carry a, a sidearm. Where do you go from there? I what mean, happens, <clears throat> and this is the point that I've constantly been raising with folks that say, I'm just going to carry concealed because I believe the law says, by the way, what I also believe the law says. But the problem is. Not, not everybody whether, believes that. Right. It's not whether you believe it. It's whether the other guy with the gun and also the badge <clears throat> believes it. Yes, and the full and he's got the full power of the county or this or That's the right. city or the state government behind him. That's exactly right. And what happens is you get arrested and then you go to court and then you've got a case like the one that we just had that we just discussed, and hopefully and likely you will win that case. Now, remember this that the individual who appealed that case, my, uh, uh, he lost that case at the trial level. I just described to you the three levels. He lost that case at the trial level. At the Actually, there's, as I said, there was kind of one and a half, and I think he lost at the lower of the two, but it doesn't much matter. The point is that he had to go through two layers before he was exonerated. Now, I suspect, I hope at least, it would be somewhat easier the next time around. But I am cautious and so when people say, well, I'm just going to carry, I say, I'm not saying you can't, and I'm not saying you shouldn't, but I'm also saying it's not necessarily the easiest thing to do. Does it make you mad when uh, a city police officer, you know, arrests somebody, and then just as they're ramping up to go to court for it, they think we'll probably lose this? And they drop all the charges. Well, indeed. And there is a similar notion in the Freedom of Information Act. And that is that if you sue under the Freedom of Information Act, you are generally entitled to legal fees if you win. And so then the question is, what happens if they settle with you before you get a determination from the court? And almost universally, if not universally across the country, the courts have said that means you get attorney's fees because if not, but for your lawsuit, you wouldn't have gotten the records. That's, That's what happened in my case. And the uh, the state is resisting paying attorney's fees and they are really making a ridiculous argument that the legal Doctrine that I just described to you, it's known as the catalyst theory, meaning that the lawsuit was the catalyst for success. They're claiming, oh, well, the catalyst theory doesn't apply in Arkansas. I got to tell you, Dave, I don't mind when people are creative in their argumentation in court because that's what leads to courts considering all the possibilities. But I do mind when they make stupid arguments. That argument is a stupid argument because it's been universally rejected. And yet they're making it here. In this state, they're saying that the theory, the catalyst theory, that if you win, if you get your records as part of a settlement, as a, in contrast with the court ordering it, then you haven't won. Sure you have. Did you sue? Yes. Did you get what you wanted? Yes. That's called a win, baby. That's not complicated, <laughs> right? That, that analysis is not a complicated You're, analysis. You are correct. That's a win. Yes, it is. And the same thing goes... When it comes to carrying a gun and the, and the state then uh, dismissing the case on the heels of the trial, I think they should be held responsible for that behavior in a way that they're not. And one of the things that we're going to do in the next legislative session is undo this n- nonsensical sovereign immunity notion where the state can't be sued 
people, oh, I don't want the state to be sued because that comes out of taxpayer dollars. Well, that's true, it does. To pay a taxpayer for his loss when his rights were violated and to incentivize the state to comply with the law next time. So I'll I'll foot that bill, Dave. Thank you very much. Well, when we come back, we're going to get into those stories that you sent me as yes, well as I will un, unveil what I am going to be looking for a, a legislator to carry a bill for me in the next legislative session. I look forward to that because, as you know, the last time you unveiled a bill, I took it at your instructions, and that was one of the most successful bills in the last legislative sessions, and that is the free speech on campus bill. Undoubtedly, and I know no one who disputes this point, Dave, that's the Dave Ellswick free speech on campus bill, because you literally got the ball, well, I don't know about literally, because there was no ball, but you literally got the process started. You told me, I got in touch with a legislator, and that's what started the process to pass that bill. And I even had the basis for the bill already That's right. Oh, you had a draft from another state. That's right. ready to go. Okay, let's take a break. When we come back, I'll tell you what it is that I'm going to try to get changed in this state. Get something seriously in legalese and in concrete down to protect women's sports. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. We're going to take a break. Come back. It's uh, 59 degrees. Looking uh, for a high of, right now, 59 degrees. More coming your way. Rush coming up at 11 o'clock. Here on the Dave Ellswick Show. It's great. See, tomorrow I, I do the car and truck doctors on Saturday, but I get to sleep in because I don't have to be in here until about 8.30. Oh, that's, a, that's late. Yeah, that's really late. I get up at 7 o'clock, which is four hours later than I normally get up. Dave, I've as you may know, I've been getting up early ever since I was caring for my mother. But now with the time change because of the whatever it is, that ridiculous night and day thing, I still don't understand it. Uh, I actually daylight had to, savings yeah, time. that thing. <laughs> I had to set my alarm to come to your show, so you should feel rather honored. I feel great. I'm joking, and of I, course. I, well, but no, I appreciate. I understand when somebody says they want to come on my show now. Right, I want to come on the show. Well, I can get you in at six a.m. Right, what, what, six a.m. You know, get up, come on, and then they come in and they do the show, and it, then they get the whole day in front of them. That's and right. They go, this was great. That's right. Yeah, no big deal. All right, you sent me a couple of, of uh, I did. stories. I would like to talk about the one that relates to what I suggested that we That's right. uh, pursue in the next General Assembly, and that is boys identifying a girl as girls or girls identifying as boys 
and it, it more so is boys identifying as girls who want to compete about against females, you know, and they've got they get all kinds of uh, you know benefits of being male, and I don't think it's fair under Title IX for those uh, young ladies. I mean, equality in sports is something that I worked hard for when I uh, was in my uh, early 30s. Dave, the article that you're referring to is a New York Times article, and it and it's entitled, quote, it's degra- it is, the quote is part of the title of the article, quote, it's degrading, end quote, transgender youth targeted in dozens of bills across America. Now, they include some, what I think are... S- questionable bills in there so i think it's fair to call those targeting but they also quite intentionally not by accident slip into the middle of the discussion those bills that would do exactly what you're suggesting which is to say if you were born biologically male yes you cannot compete in high school or collegiate female sports as you know dave we have separate bathrooms for men and women to this day And we have separate sports for men and women to this day. The bathrooms and showers reflect the notion that we believe there's some sort of privacy right that needs to be respected between the sexes. And the separate sports reflects the apt consideration that men and women perform differently in sports. And to be clear and frank, men generally outperform women in sports. Now, again. I, it's always necessary to highlight. I won't outperform even perhaps the majority of women, but the best men outperform the best women. It's just a function of their muscle makeup. And so if you put a man in a race, a running race, he is going to, uh, uh, if he is of equal level of competence to a woman, he's going to beat the woman. Well, it's more than just uh, muscle, too. It's lung capacity. Oh, no. It's skeletal. Correct. You know, skeletal build yeah, and men all are kinds bigger. of things. Yes. That's right. It, it, it just On average, again, goes right? to say, Yeah, it goes to say. And uh, the reason that they have men's sports and women's sports is at one time they didn't have any women's sports. Exactly. And we had to pass laws to get women's sports. And, and or at get, least the financing. Ec- you know, get yes. equitable funding That's for right. them and facilities and things of that nature. And now you got great stuff like women's fast pitch softball, women's basketball. You even got women's hockey. That's right. right? And women's soccer. And if you were to put those women, uh, those women's teams up against the men's teams in the same area, they would o- almost invariably, there would be an exception from time to time, they would almost invariably lose. Yes. And it's because it wouldn't be a fair match. Yes. And that's what we're talking about, fairness here. And so... It's really disingenuous, but this is a typical move of the left. I read that title to you that says, oh, transgender youths are being targeted. Well, being targeted is a, is a bad thing, right? They're targeting us. Indeed. And not the transgender. The lefties are targeting us. Yes. Uh, those folks, by us, I mean those folks who believe that it is still appropriate for male and female sports to be separated based on sex. And so if you have someone who is transgendered from male to female, well, they still have largely the biological advantages of being male. It's just simply unfair. So if I were to have a student, for example, uh, I'll give you a hypothetical, who is a transgendered uh, either direction uh, and said, I want to be called uh, Mr. or Ms., 
I, my response would be, I'll call you whatever you want. I don't care. Because that has no effect on third parties. I know there is a debate about there, out there that people say, well, you can't make me call you. So I don't care. I, Dave, just as a practical matter, I don't care. I'll call you whatever. I'll call you banana. I don't we'll call you whatever you want. But no one's handing out awards for whether or not I call you Ms. or Mr. or Mrs. or, or anything else for that matter. <clears throat> but when it comes to competition... When there are awards to be gotten, and by the way, scholarships to be gotten, That's exactly accolades right. to be gotten, well, then it matters. This movement is going to destroy women's sports. Oh, if, well, if it's successful, if, that's if correct. If we don't stand up and stop That's it. correct. And so uh, I think Arizona, I think the article reflects that Arizona uh, just passed a bill about this saying that basically your biological birth uh, should determine which team you operate on same thing in ohio they have started right some laws and and that is necessary because the benefits that males get from being males is derived early in their lives that's right you mean you can change their hormone structure and all the rest and they still oh, of course have a decided oh, that's advantage right. like, oh well they take the this hormone that yeah but they're already Bigger, stronger. It's sort of like the beginning of the $6 million man, if you recall that TV show from the 70s. We can make him stronger and bigger. Yep. Well, that's the case already biologically. And I, I've told this story many times on your show, Dave, how I had dated a very nice woman who was a competitive long-distance runner. And needless to say, when we went long-distance running, she would literally do laps around me. We'd start out and I'd- Leave say, you in the dust. Yeah, I'd say, go ahead, right? And she'd come back around yeah. on me. And then we would do some sprint training, and I would beat her virtually every time. And I'm not even good at sprints. And so this is a competitive long-distance female runner who still couldn't beat a mediocre male sprinter. And that's just a function of biology, not of skill at all. So I'm I'm be looking for a... Uh state rep or a state senator to carry well i'll, piece help, of I'll help communicate that for you dave or with you because i do agree this is an important notion and and by the way this is not an attack on transgender individuals this is a an attack on uh, or this is a response to the attack on female sports and fair is fair and i've said er, almost maybe every time on your show dave when we talk about transgendered issues transgender issues when we talk about uh what what is the 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 letters you know it's um g, you know gb lgbtq thank you, you rscv right. sometimes it gets Z. a little much but th- when we talk about lgbt <laughs> etc issues i'm sorry it's as conservatives ridiculous. in fact i think we need to be a little bit more pay a little bit more attention to ensuring that we are inclusive and supportive of all individuals of all individuals so we should not be pointing fingers at individuals in a negative way but that doesn't mean that we adopt what really is just an absurd notion and that is the rejection of male and female sports and by the way the rejection of male and female showers and communal bath and toilet facilities sorry Sorry, when we did away with aptly, correctly, justifiably, needless to say, but I think we need to say it sometimes, uh, the distinction between black and white toilets, we didn't do away with the distinction between male and female toilets because we continued to this day 
to recognize that there is a privacy concern there that should be respected, and I maintain that belief even to this day. Yeah, just to let everyone know, we haven't reached Starship Trooper status yet. <laughs> right, right. You watch the movie, right. you'll and, understand. Well, but, it's one of those futuristic movies in which men and female and women shower in the same facilities. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other thing that I'm concerned of, and, and that is this, parents with children who put them on hormone-changing uh, directives with a doctor, I think that should be illegal. I well, really believe that's child abuse. That's one of those other bills in there that is far more controversial because I'm skeptical of that medical treatment, but by the same token, I'm not a doctor and I'm not looking into step, I don't look to step into the shoes of the parent. So I don't know, frankly. Uh, I'm not disagreeing with you yet. And I'm not agreeing with you yet. I don't know enough about that issue. But that's another one of those bills that was mentioned in the article as an attack on transgender individuals. And I do think, regardless of what your position is on that hormone treatment, it's a far cry from the competitive sports context. And yet the New York Times quite intentionally puts both Lump bills it in, all together. lumps them all together and calls them all attacks on transgendered yeah. individuals. There's no way that you can legitimately call those bills that seek to protect women in terms of their ability to compete in competitive sports an attack on anybody. It is a defense of women. And the irony is that the left used to be the far stronger defender of uh, women's rights, and now they are abandoning their core constituency for another constituency. Yeah, when I was, when I was pushing... Uh, for free speech back in the uh, uh, mid-60s uh, to early 70s when I was pushing for women to have, uh, you know, equal access to sports for themselves, uh, I was called a lefty at that time. Right. And I was nowhere near being a lefty. Right. Although maybe at the time you were. Who knows? I'm, for that issue. You know, I don't know. I guess. I don't. I, it was, I was fighting conservatives. Well, and and it just highlights the fact that you were then what you are now, which is someone who believes in fairness and individual rights. And, of course, we have to define those individual rights in which they don't collapse upon themselves. And so either women have a right to privacy and to compete fairly, or they don't. Yep. And and the left is now saying they don't. All right. Break. It's uh, 19 after 8. Traffic, weather, we do it uh here on the uh, the answer on the Dave Ellswick show. Don't forget Rush Limbaugh is coming up and I need to remind you that uh, you should be scared to death. Scared to death that uh, you'll be paying taxes on your IRA and 401k taxes on your social security benefits and taxes on your investment income so that money you were counting on for retirement could be a fraction of what you thought it was going to be. Learn how you could avoid this with a free tax reduction analysis from David Lucas Financial in Little Rock. If you've saved more than $500,000, be one of the first 10 callers to get a free analysis now at 501-222-3315. Learn how you could save tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxes during your retirement. 
Call 501-222-3355, or pardon me, 3315. That's 501-222-3315. Advisory services offered through David Lucas Financial and Arkansas Registered Investment Advisor. Okay, we continue, Robert Steinbach. What was the other uh, article that you sent? Well, I'm glad you waited till we're on the air for me to look that up, Dave. Uh, <laughs> that's that's the organization First going Amendment. on here at the Dave Ellswick Show. It was about Zach, the First Amendment. Zach, what are you doing? Um, remind me, the, I'm going to look it up. First remind, Amendment. Oh, it was about what they're what um, they're doing uh, for hiring. So there was this movement. You're going to love this, folks. When one applies to be an academic, a professor, you've got to send in material, right? So obviously you send in a resume. That's with most white collar jobs, you send in a resume. In addition, when you want to be an academic, a professor, you send in an article that you wrote because some people don't realize, but one of the core functions of being a professor is not only teaching, but writing articles, so that other people, other academics and non-academics read those articles. You're trying to disseminate your knowledge more broadly than just in the classroom. That is a core function. And then there's a third function known as public service, which includes, by the way, what we're doing right here, Dave, me coming in and explaining yeah, legal he, concepts. They expect you to do that. They kind do. Of stuff. They really do. And I think it's a good thing that they do. I would do it independently. In fact, I have done it independently. I came on your show well before it was ever even a consideration. That's right. But in any event, so you send that stuff in. Let's say I'm applying for a job. I'm going to use UCLA because UCLA is one of the schools that do something else. You got to send in a resume. You got to send in a writing sample. You got to send in a in the resume description of those public service areas that you do, and. You've got to send in a diversity statement. Wait, what? A yeah, diversity what is a statement. diversity statement? Thank you very much. You've got to send in a statement describing your commitment to diversity. And it's the first thing they screen. They don't look at your resume. They don't look at your writing sample. If you have not adopted the prop, proper leftist ideology on diversity, you're out. You're out. And yeah. what... Let me, let me yes. read from the article, please, because please. this is great. The free speech movement, an early tremor of the earthquake that shook campuses in the 60s, began on Sproul Plaza at the University of California at Berkeley back in 1964, when I was 11 years old. Today, eight of the 10 universities in the UC system are administering faculty hiring practices that involved coerced speech enforced political conformity, and mandatory political participation. Yeah, it's really remarkable. Now, what do, so what, is, what do those diversity statements, and it looks like we'll pick it up after the break, by the way, as well, but in any event, before we get there, what do those mandatory diversity statements require? It requ- they require, in practice, a commitment to leftist ideology on diversity. Let me let you in a little secret, Dave, here. I don't care. If during hiring or if during admissions, we have uh, 10% of this group, 20% of that group. Yeah. And by that group. You want the best. I want the best. I want merit. Yes. And I don't care what your skin color is. I don't care what your um, uh, sex is. I don't care what country you come from. Let me be clear when I say that. 
You better not discriminate. You better not prohibit someone based on his skin color, her gender or sex, uh, what, what country they come from, their religion, because that's the opposite. But I don't need uh, 6%, or I think, let's pick an actual number. I think uh, Jews make up, I think it's 3% of the United States population. It's either three or less. So let's elevate it to well, the most. There's less of you than there are uh, homosexuals. Yes, it's a very small percentage number of uh, Jews in the country. And so let's assume it's 3% for argument's sake. I don't think a faculty needs to have 3%, less than 3%, or more than 3%. By the way, in in legal academia, it's generally more than 3%. So maybe I'm saying that. I'm not, but I'm going to make the argument that maybe I'm saying that to protect the overpopulation, Mm -hmm. so to speak, as compared to the representation in the general population. Meaning, why are we using these quotas to determine whether someone is in there. Okay, now you got to hold your, yes, your thunder. Yes, I'll do it. Hold your thunder. When we come back, Robert will continue with uh, his rant that he's on right now. But right now, here is what Sean Hannity is thinking about. Back. We didn't really go anywhere. I, I always get a kick. I always say, oh, I'm back. Well, I didn't go anywhere to come back from. I'm, I've been sitting here the whole time talking to Robert, just discussing things with him. All right, we are at uh, 25 minutes till 9. It's 58 degrees elsewhere here in central Arkansas, Pine Bluff. Hot spot right now, 61 degrees, hot spring 60, Conway 57, Cabot 57 as well. So uh, it's amazing to me, Robert, that at one time it was the hard right that was attacking me about free speech. And now I still speak out for free speech, but now I get uh, attacked by the hard left. Yeah, well, here's a remarkable description about academia that we've been discussing, these mandatory diversity statements. And I'll say more about what they are and how they operate in a moment. But it used to be, as you know, during the McCarthy era, that universities required mandatory statements that you weren't a communist. Right. Now, of course, if we were if we required that now in academia, there would be no professors. <laughs> Dave, Dave's going to do a spit take on that one, Zach. Right. But it's, yeah, I had a mouthful of coffee. Exactly. Don't say things like that. I was that. waiting for it. I was waiting for it, <laughs> folks. If you're watching on on the Twitter gram, you would have seen it. So I still it amazes me. Robert, what is wrong with the parents of this country? Why do they send their children to be made into brown shirts? Well, unfortunately, because what's your choice? Now, there are some choices. There are conservative schools that you can send them to. Send them, what the, is it, uh, Hillsboro, whatever it is, in Michigan? Right, They're really right. good. I mean, there's different, you know, send them Brown or whatever. And within Arkansas, there are some conservative Christian yes, colleges, yeah, aren't there? there are. Yeah. So, uh, and I'm, as you know, I am Jewish. I would aptly consider sending my child, I don't have any children yet, uh, but I would aptly consider sending a child to a conservative Christian school because of the overarching values being taught. Uh, I don't think that the value, I know that the values taught in Christian schools are the same as the values that would be taught if there were a, a, a Jewish school. The, and they're, they're not particularly about teaching the underlying religious doctrine. Right. So that's not even, a, in, maybe in a parochial high school, but not in a college. In any event, I, I digress for a moment. 
So what's being required now in academia? That you must sign up to the leftist ideology on diversity. which Or not get a job. Or not get a job. It is a screening method, admittedly by them. This is not me positing that. They say, oh, you've got to get through our diversity statement screening before we will even look at your resume. Mm-hmm. And what do you have to state to, be, to pass that muster? I am a lefty. I'm a lefty. I want <laughs> I want percentages of, of different groups based on their appearance, not based on their thinking. Now, a diversity of thought is a good idea in academia because we don't need an echo chamber. We have largely, not entirely, an echo chamber in academia across this country There's right now. There's a verse in the Bible that deals with this. Iron sharpens iron. Yeah, yeah. You know, you get in with somebody who's got a different viewpoint with you, and can defend your viewpoint and uh, show the fallacies of theirs, that sharpens you as an individual. That's right. I have most certainly amended, improved, and downright altered my views based on conversations with leftists. Now, it hasn't made me into a leftist, but some of the elements of my views have either been honed or I've changed them. I've changed mm-hmm. them, and that's an important facility to be able to take advantage of in academia. But if you have one hand clapping, if you have a leftist echo chamber, then that is not going to happen. And I guarantee, And as I started to say before the break, I'm not particularly, maybe even after, I am not concerned about uh, the how many men or women I have in my class, how many uh, Jews versus non-Jews, how many... Uh, uh, African-Americans slash Hispanics slash uh, um, Caucasians slash Asians slash any other group that I have yet to mention I have in my class. I want them all to have free access to my classes, but I don't care what the numbers come out to. I would, I am interested in having some diversity of thought, so I hope to have some liberals some conservatives, mm-hmm. some religious, some atheists. There are plenty of other altern- alternating viewpoints that I would like to have in my class. But uh, uh, some uh, uh, communists, some, uh, mm, I said conservative already, right? Yeah. So uh, all different viewpoints, I think, are helpful to a discussion in the class. But And then... I don't believe in the claim that to have a certain view on racial issues, you must be a member of a certain racial class. No, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I agree with you. Right. As far as that's concerned. And I would make sure that my child, uh, if I had one that was going to college, was going to a college where there would be that diversity of thought. Right. Those, it's just... I just find it, I guess, entertaining at times that uh, this is something that I have always uh, faced in my life, whether from the right or the left. And it it just goes to prove that what I've I've always said, if the country becomes too hard right, it leads to totalitarianism. If it becomes too hard left, it leads to totalitarianism. There that, many, they, that's the spot that they meet. That's a, there are many that suggest the left and right is not actually aligned to the left and aligned to the right, that it's a circle. And it's a circle between freedom on one 
side of that circle, one point on that circle, and the opposite side of that circle, should you move left or right, brings you towards totalitarianism. And I agree with that notion. And that is indeed the problem. Dave, you and I, and I suspect many of your listeners, are freedom-loving individuals. Mm -hmm. Today, we call those individuals conservative and or libertarian. But in the 60s, some of that was reflected by the free speech leftist movement. We have always been pro-freedom, you and I and many of your listeners, Dave. And the problem is that there are folks on the far side of that freedom movement that call themselves left or right, and really what they are is anti-freedom. All right, just so everybody will know, uh, if you're not part of the Facebook page for the Dave Ellswick Show, you should be. That's right. The stories that we have been talking about today, I am forwarding them right now to Elizabeth uh, so that uh, you can get them as well and read them and uh, be cognizant of the points that we've been making today. Let's get our final break in. Traffic, weather for you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. 101.1 FM, the answer home of the Rush Limbaugh Show, which starts at 11 o'clock. Let's finish it up for today here on the Dave Ellswick Show. In fact, let's finish it up for the week Wow! here on the Dave Ellswick Show. I'm glad that the week is up. Uh, last week, as you know, I went in and had surgery on my foot. Right, right. It was a week ago on Wednesday. And I took Thursday and Friday off to let my body kind of rest a little bit. And now here we are on Friday a week, and things are going good. Now, Dave, was that the the remove of the foot from your mouth surgery? No. That's never possible, right? It's too late for that. In fact, for you to know, is they they repaired my foot. And for all the lefties that showed up wishing the worst for me. I don't think they did. They they removed their their heads from their butts. There you go. There you go. Anyway. I don't want to remove my foot from my mouth. Yeah. I'll have nothing to say then. Yeah. I I never have to remove my foot from my mouth because typically I'm right. There you go. Seriously. I'm, it's the truth. I've got a whole lot of years of experience behind me. Mm-hmm. And I and you know, so there's sometimes things that I used to say that sometimes I stop myself now because I know that. Some people might take it wrong, but I'm going to say it anyway. I call spade a spade. I'm talking about the playing card. So anyway, uh, I try to say the things that I think my listeners are thinking. It's like yesterday. And then I, and we want to finish up on another question I got for you. Sure. Uh, we started talking about all these things that are happening because of the COVID-19. And I just said, in all honesty, do you not feel like they get up here and they, they say all these things about being calm and collective and all of that, don't panic, and then they start doing things like they're in a Michael Jackson Pepsi commercial. <laughs> their their hair, hair, is on, on fire. hair is on fire, and they're running around with their hands in their hair uh, in the air like they're in uh, up in the control tower on an airplane. Uh, it's just amazing to me about how they're they're reacting to well, this. Well, as you know, Dave, when I came in this morning and I had been reading on the, on the Twitter post, the Facegram, as I mockingly call them all, there was criticism of President Trump's speech 
And I said to you, quite honestly, well, what was the criticism of? And the you big said, part of it was hmm. shutting down air travel with Europe. Right. And I said to you, wait, the criticism was of the good idea? Yeah. Of the thing that makes sense? Of being cautious? Where you had this big outbreak of coronavirus. Right. That's what's kept coronavirus at bay. heavily out of the United States is because right off the bat, he stopped air travel to China. And the president aptly said, I think the number, I don't remember, it was like 32 deaths. And he goes, that's a lot of deaths that we don't need to have already. Mm -hmm. So, yes, I'm going to shut down air travel. It will have an impact on the economy and, and those particular sectors. And we will try to do something to augment that. But I'm not going to have people die needlessly because some business wants to sell more of whatever they're selling. No, I it's absolutely the prudent move, and here's the irony, is that if a lefty would have done it, the lefties would be applauding it. But to be fair, conservatives, uh, some conservatives are hypocritical and some lefties are hypocritical, so I can't blame it all on the lefties in this instance. But please, folks, let's take some prudence. Let's uh, Shutting down flights from those vectors that have the disease, that's just prudent. We should be more restrained in going out. We should be more restrained when we interact with people, keeping our distances. This is just prudent behavior. Well, that and then calling somebody racist or xenophobic oh, because they call it the Chinese. Or the Wuhan virus. Yeah. You mean the virus that came from Wuhan? We yeah. can't call it the you Wuhan can't, virus? Can't call it, you can't call it Chinese virus right. either because it came from China. What were those previous viruses named after where they came from? I mean, that's that and the animals. Huh? Right. But they, what were the, we had some names. I don't remember the names of the previous ones we had that were named from where they came. Yeah. Right. So now I can't say that. The heck with you. The hey, heck with you. You know, you had, uh, you know, you had bird flu. And, right. And that came from China. That's right. You know? Well, part of the problem is those outdoor food slash animal markets. Mm -hmm. They're not safe. We those we would not have that level of hygiene or lack thereof in the United States. By the way, have you been watching how China now is saying that the disease was started by the United States? Is that right? It doesn't surprise yeah. me. I saw something where some uh, extremist in Iran said, well, if we had to, we would take the the virus. What do you call the inoculation? Yeah. The, the the vaccine. If it was invented by Israel, they of course call them the Zionists. It's not inaccurate, but it's said derisively. We wouldn't tell people it came from there, right? They said, "Well, if we had to, we would take the vaccine from the Zionists." My response to them is, "Don't do me any favors. Stick by your philosophy. Stick by your guns. I'm happy for you not to take it if you are one of these nutcase extremists." Well, I'm going to tell you what I'm. I guess I'm a nationalist in the sense that I want to see us make decisions for the best of the American people. Of course. All right. Of course. I think it's ridiculous to say that you don't want to do that. I check. I, I think you, you've checked your Americanism somewhere and you need to go find it. But uh, one thing that I do think needs to be that needs to be happening here in this country, and that is it's got to be beyond just who can make a product cheaper right now most of our medical antibiotics pills and everything many in china that's right do people realize how they can put us over a barrel i think it's a national security uh, issue and i think the government should um compensate there's another word that basically supplement the payment so that we create 
a lot of these drugs in the United States. And this is not to supplement an industry. The purpose is for national security. To make sure we have the drugs. That's right. So we don't allow the Chinese to build our fighter jets. Why? Not because they can't build them. Maybe they can, maybe they can't. And maybe they can build them cheaper. Right. But because then they could build into it things that we can't control, and they, they could turn off our planes when we would need them. So obviously we wouldn't let that happen. Well, in and, this case of the medicine, same there's, idea. A, there's a story out that it is a story has been floated. I don't know the validity of the story, but uh, bottom line that the Chinese have threatened through some of their political people that they could slow down production of, course of certain medicines of course and that would put us in a real pinch. And why would they not do that? I don't hold it. Uh, I, I don't trust them beyond what is the, in their own self-interest. Do we still have that Rubio cut? We got here, here. Marco Rubio was talking about this up in Congress yesterday. Let me play this for you so that uh, it's how long. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll not get long? it in. We won't get it all okay. in. Okay. okay. But go ahead and play some of it. Today's hearing really is, is timely, unfortunately, because of the challenges that we're now seeing. And, and I want to sort of bifurcate it into two steps. The first is what we can do, obviously, to help small business weather the coming storm that is going to be created by the fact that people are not going to be able to be together with one another in places. And that's obviously going to impact cash flows and the impact that has on employees. And in some cases, the threat it poses to a business's ability to continue to function. And I think that's of immediate concern. That's the one thing we've got to deal with if we're triaging this problem right away. But I think we're beginning to see the outlines of a second problem, and that is what it means when your supply chain is disrupted. And we all just left a, a meeting of the entire Senate with leaders in our country in healthcare. And what's becoming evident and apparent is that one of the impediments to the widespread availability of testing is a supply chain unpredictability. It isn't just the tests. If you don't have cotton swabs, if you don't have protective gear for the lab technicians or the basic ingredients needed for the test, you're going to have a problem in conducting those tests. And um, from our perspective is the role that small business can play structurally now and for years to come in ensuring that these sorts of supply chain disruptions don't become a national threat to the country. Okay, a lot of it you stop right China. there. Okay, so he laid out the question yeah, and, correctly. He, and he goes into it as he talks about China and it's all being done in China. That's got to change. That's right. And that's a national security issue. It's got nothing to do with... And that's what he was saying. That's right. That's right. So uh, I don't have a problem if companies decide the most cost-effective way to produce toasters, but the United States government needs to be involved in national security issues and health slash bioweapon and bioweapon defense is a national security issue. I agree. And then last but not least, just wanted to ask you a question. Is the litigiousness of our culture driving some of these closures and things where people are saying, well, we better close because if somebody happens to come down with a coronavirus, uh, we could be sued. It's, it's perhaps possible, but recall, Dave, I am less a critic of our so-called litigiousness than most, particularly conservatives, because conservatives tend to uh, decry our litigious nature. And my belief is that with freedom 
comes the ability to take a dispute to court. Does that mean some people abuse it? Absolutely. But the fact is that people have a right to be heard in court, and overwhelmingly, when they bring what's often described as these crazy lawsuits, they are outliers. They happen very rarely in terms of success. When they're brought, they are routinely dismissed without settlement, without payment. So I think that the issue of litigiousness is somewhat overblown. And remember this, the alternative to the ability to take someone to court when you have a dispute is people shooting them each other. So just remember that a vibrant court system is where we can resolve our disputes peacefully rather than by shooting each other. But let's say that if the NCAA had decided to go along with March Madness, right? if I were them, I would put up big signs as you were walking in saying, beware, you could contact the the coronavirus, blah, 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 blah. However, I've seen judges when stuff like that's up and it gets in front of them and they go, that's just not enough. Well, I think generally that that it would not be the case. Meaning, I think if someone put up a sign and they maintained proper hygiene of the facility, uh, and just r- routine but proper hygiene of the facility, that would be sufficient. I will tell you this, though. I was at the Comcast office. This is a couple of years back out in West Little Rock. And I was there during while they were closing, and the cleaning crew, which is an outside company, was there already. The guy who was vacuuming the floor picked up the vacuum and ran it across the countertop to dust the countertop. That's not proper hygiene. It was disgusting. Nobody batted an eye. I did, but nobody else batted an eye. That is not proper hygiene. I would agree with that. Robert, you have a great weekend. You too, my friend. We'll see you again next week. Be safe out there. Stay healthy. All right, I'll see you tomorrow at 9 o'clock with the Car and Truck Doctors, and then I'll be back on Monday for my show uh, starting at, uh, of course, 6 a.m. Remember, God gave you a whole week of life. Give him one day. Give him Sunday. Take an hour. Or give him Saturday and give him an hour to talk to you. God bless.